2: Trojan fans welcome to a very special edition of the Parasol podcast I'm sitting outside right now not the normal studio uh, outside the USC campus over at the lab because we have a very special event I'm going to be emceeing tonight it's going to come up in about an hour or so but today is June 25th it's a Tuesday and Jake Olson asked me to emcee his special Trojan meetup here at the lab uh, it's going to be great. There's going to be a panel of guests that include Jake Olson, the former USC long snapper. Now he is the president of Engage, um, the, the new company he started, which is really cool. Uh, also, Matt Barkley, former USC quarterback, will be here. And uh, John Baxter, the USC special teams coach. So Jake just asked me to sort of MC this event. And we're going to broadcast it for everyone here at the lab. And then also I'm going to record it. So I just wanted to kind of record this little... Brief introduction to let you know uh, what to expect. We're going to record everything uh, that happens at the event. I think it's going to be like an hour and a half or so. There'll be questions and answers from uh, the audience. So we will uh, pull it all that. We'll have microphones, so we'll re- be able to record all of that. So, But just real excited for the event. Uh, thanks to Jake and his company, Engage, for uh, asking me to emcee uh, uh, this one. And I think they're going to do a lot of really cool events in the future. So make sure you check it out, Let's Engage. Uh, dot com but without further ado here is our live event
0: thanks everyone for coming thanks for coming out and supporting on a tuesday night i'll keep it pretty short because nobody really wants to hear me speak Um, i just want to thank alumni alliances for helping sponsor this and helping get the word out it's a great organization tom donahue and john are over there they run the organization make sure you say hi to them it's a really great great stuff And then I also want to give a big thank you to Travis Matthew. They sponsored our event, gave us a bunch of free gear. So some of you, not Ryan, will be walking home with a bunch of Travis Matthew gear. And other than that, I just want to thank our panelists. And I'll kick it over to you, Ryan, and go for it. Thanks, everyone.
2: All right, everybody. Welcome. Thanks for coming out. This is a really great group. This is awesome. Thanks for coming to the lab. We have an awesome panel for you here today. I don't know if you guys know a guy named Matt Barkley. He played quarterback at USC. Big number seven. Uh, You got John Baxter, USC special teams coach. Extraordinaire. We're going to get some stories with him. And uh, this dude, Jake Olson, you might have heard of him over there on the end. Quebec. His girlfriend and is here every day. But thanks for coming out. Uh, So, If you guys don't know, so Jake and Daniel, Daniel is the CEO and Jake's the president of Engage. You can look online, letsengage.com. And for these guys to just be graduating college and already starting this company and having nine pages of celebrities on their website that you can hire to do different things, it's pretty amazing. You want Matt Barkley to teach you how to throw a spiral, you can go on the (laughs) website. I would highly recommend, if you want John Baxter to come give you a motivational speech and fire you up, you can do that too. But the Jake Olsen like, golf experience, you should definitely check that out. I did this a couple months ago. One of the coolest experiences of my life playing with Jake and seeing what him and his dad in Quebec uh, could do. So it's a really awesome website. Um, it's amazing that they've started this company. The, the event that they had a couple months ago at Redondo Beach at the Shade Hotel was great. Raised all this money from charity. That's what Daniel was talking about. I ended up winning a whole bunch of the raffles at that thing, so it was great. <laughs> but So I can't win anything here. But uh, it's it, I mean, for them to put this together, this was like... Cocktail attire, fancy drinks at a really fancy swank hotel in Redondo Beach, casino night, entertainment. Like, they pulled this off like they've been doing it forever. So it's really impressive what he's been able to do. If you're a USC fan of like all you are, you're really proud for a guy like Jake to be representing your university. Because it's a special place and he's a really special kid. So, Or guy. I don't know if it's a kid or whatever. He's <laughs> a man. Um, but so I want to let all these guys introduce themselves and tell me a little about it. So maybe we'll start with you, Matt. That's cool.
3: Introduce myself? Sure. What's going on? Matt Barkley. It's great to be back on campus. Good to see all you guys. Um, I've been able to come up to a few spring practices. I was hurt last fall, so I was able to come to a few games. Living in Orange County in the offseason makes it easy to come up to things like this. Um, don't point that at me. Sorry, then. Get that away. <laughs> but this is really cool to be a part of. I've always... Been a fan of, of Jake, and so when asked me to to do this and uh, talk with you guys, talk some football, talk some stories, uh, and then he added Coach Baxter to the mix. I knew it was a no-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jake and I go back all the way to my freshman year with Coach Carroll when he brought him in, and we can go into depth on some of those stories. Um, Chris O'Dowd is here as well. He's my hey, center at USC. There you go. And... Uh, he really latched on with Jake as well, and uh, just that whole story is incredible. And then Bax came in the, that next year uh, with, the, with the Kiffin staff, and we clicked right away. I'm forever grateful to Bax because he let me be, be the holder on PATs <laughs> and field goals. And despite you know the whole Tony Romo debacle where it could be a lot of pressure for a quarterback – I loved it because I got probably four extra touchdowns, right? On you know fourth down conversions, trick plays that we all ran. So uh, just pumped to be back here and look back at the glory days with, you, nice. with all you guys. Cool,
2: thanks, Matt. Um, now we got John Baxter, USC special teams coach. If you want to like let everyone know a little about yourself, John.
1: So this is uh, let's see, 2019. I went to college in mm. 1981. And I've been on a college campus every single day of my life since 1981. College football is the only thing I've ever done. So I don't know 99.9% of all things on earth. This is one thing I do know, and I know that topic is up for debate amongst a lot of people. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's been an incredible association with players over the years. I was here in 2010, 11, 12, and 13th. I'll never forget June 10th of 2010 because I was in the room when they announced the probation and I coached every one of those probation games. Uh, and I'm extremely proud of and thankful for those players that were here in those years because they played for USC and they played for the love of the game and they played for each other. And at the end of the day, that's really what you play for. Uh, I had an opportunity to go to Michigan um, where the sun never shines. Uh I had a great year there, and I had the opportunity to come back, and I came storming back as fast as I could. I've uh, always loved USC, and will always love USC. Uh, You know, it's an incredible place to work. It's an incredible network uh, uh, and family of people, and uh, it's a place that I come every day and give my best because USC deserves it. And obviously, my association with these kinds of guys is incredible, so... uh,
2: that's a little about where I'm at. All right, John Baxter, thanks for that. Um, and the reason we're all here, Jake Olson on the on the edge, Jake. Maybe yeah, tell them well, if they you. don't know who you are. Maybe you got to tell them about yourself. A little bit.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming out and for uh, Ryan for doing this, and obviously Barkley and Bax, So you guys. Obviously, been part of my life throughout this whole uh, Trojan experience, and as well as many of you out there. So I want to thank you. Obviously, played here for the last four years. Um, I was able to spend three of those years with Coach Baxter as, as my coach for special teams, and that was incredible. I uh, describe Baxter as more of a more of a philosopher than even a coach. Um, he really would get into it tonight, but just takes a different angle at coaching in the sense that he he breaks it down into just having you learn and become a better football player. And I think that's a very special thing about a coach and and able to kind of simplify that and help everyone literally if they play a defensive line or linebacker or offensive lineman or receiver to all kind of become a better football player by playing special teams. And so that's really cool. And then obviously Barkley, I met him my, uh, his freshman year and how old did he seem to me when I was 12 and he was a freshman (laughs) in college. It was crazy to think about how young freshmen look to me now in college, but, uh, it was, it was interesting. We got some stories to tell about that one, so I can't wait.
2: Awesome. All right. So what we're going to do today is we're going to do a little bit of, I'm going to try to get these guys to tell some interesting stories because they're all connected in different ways. So we're going to start off kind of with that. We're going to do a little bit later on, we'll do an audience Q&A. We have a special surprise for Jake uh, coming up. And if you, did, if you didn't get your raffle tickets yet, make sure you get those. There's going to be a Travis Matthew giveaway, some great stuff. I think they got like 10 different things. Uh, To give away, then we'll have a little meet and greet and uh, meet and greet stuff uh, at the end. So, uh, but the connection between these three guys is kind of interesting. When Jake sent out some of the social media stuff, I saw a picture back from when uh, Matt, you were probably a freshman, I think, and or no, yeah, maybe your freshman year, and Jake was just this little kid that was coming to. So maybe kind of talk about that relationship you guys had back there, if you guys, if you want to start, Matt.
3: Yeah, now he's taller than me. It's crazy. but yeah, P Care was uh, was kind of one of a kind when it came to bringing guys around the program. And uh, Jake had been a fan for a long time as a kid. And uh, coach kind of gave us a background, brief background of Jake um, how he lost an eye early on in his childhood. Uh, but kind of wanted to see USC football up close and personal um, with his one eye. Uh, you had cancer at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, he was going to have surgery to get the the next eye out too so uh we knew something special about this kid but it wasn't just a one-time deal you know where like a kid comes up uh and then you never see him again jake kind of was able to hung, hang around and because he was in socal uh, he was able to come into practices and, and and come to games and we just had a real connection um I think just because of his story, and from being uh, so close and what a fan he was, I uh, was really cool. Jake actually ended up playing football at Orange Lutheran High School with my brother-in-law as well. Uh, so my whole family just can't get away from Jake <laughs> for some reason. I'm <laughs> sorry,
4: sorry to suck with you. I remember, <laughs> I remember coming up, and obviously, you know, Barkley was. Uh, I, I when I first heard of Barkley is actually after the. Uh, When I was going into my seventh grade year, I didn't join the team yet. We hadn't found out that I was going to lose my eye yet. And I remember there was a couple of people who knew Aaron Corp was obviously come from Olu at the time. And Barkley had – Coach Carroll just named Barkley the starter. So at first I was kind of like, all right, whatever. He took the job from Aaron Corp, like whatever. (laughs) Like this year's his freshman, you know, true freshman starting. So, I didn't like him to begin with, you know? So, uh, but when I got up there, you know, obviously. Wait, does
3: that, does that imply that Orange Lutheran was recruiting you? Um, no, early? no. I
4: mean, it just, I knew more of Orange Olu than modern day. Oh, so, okay. Okay. Um, but obviously, my favorite player was Chris O'Dowd. So, I still, <laughs> I still know that the offensive linemen run the game. But, uh, but no, it was, it was fun being with Barkley because obviously there's a little bit of that kind of starstruck with the starting quarterback and I remember it was the Oregon State game and Em and I my sister and I were staying with Blake Ailes in the hotel before the Friday night before the game and you know it's about I wow. don't know it was halfway <laughs> that happened yes yeah. halfway <laughs> through the season and you know it's kind of a tumultuous season and everything but you know, Emma and I, Blake kind of pushed us, but we started playing ding Dog ditch on Matt's door in the hotel. And looking back on it, I'm sorry, Matt, I can't imagine, like, how annoying that must have been for two 12-year-olds to keep, like, knocking on your door while you're trying to prepare for the next next day's game and just, like, having this kid keep doing it. Oh, man. Um, but, no, but Matt was great. He, uh, I remember, I wish I still had him, but, you know, obviously... You know, I had a month and a half of with the team. You know, before I lost my sight, and I remember Matt would call me and leave me voicemails, just you know, give me some scripture to think about and you know, praying for me and everything over the phone. And so, you know, it was really special, just about the relationship I had with everyone, you know, with Chris and Matt and Carol and you know, a lot of those guys back then. It was just how they supported me, and like I said, it wasn't one time deal; it was a constant, uh, constant love I felt from those guys.
2: Matt, did it bother you that Chris O'Dowd was his favorite player?
3: He just he just says that out loud, but <laughs> I really know. Well, Chris was actually my favorite player too. You know, yeah, got, he better be. Jake, I got way more way more closer to, to Odell than you ever will. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah.
2: And <laughs> uh, well, Coach, so I was talking to Jake last night a little bit because we were talking about the connections. You guys all have different connections. I was talking about before, like when, you know, he came on, when you were there in 2010, I believe. Right. He wasn't exactly sure what kind of relationship you had. He said that you were kind of coy when you were talking about when he would come around. So it sounds like there was some kind of early connection. I don't know if you were scouting him as a long snapper back then, but <laughs> what, what was the connection when, when Jake started coming around the program?
1: Well, Jake was coming around the program, and I, I, you know, to be honest with you, why would he want to talk to us? I mean, he wanted to be around the players. That's what's exciting. Uh You know, we were just around kind of the perimeter, kind of watching it all happen and everything else and just trying to provide a a good experience for Jake. Um, The interesting one was when I went to Michigan and came back and then I found out I was Jake's coach. And uh, I walked in the first day and I'm like, "Okay, Jake, I'm going to be real transparent with this one. I'm not sure where we start. And uh, and he's like, well, me either, but you're the coach. So (laughs) Uh, good luck. And uh, yeah, good luck. And and so, uh, you know, it started right there. And I said, well, we're going to figure this thing out as we go along. And he goes, sounds good to me. And uh,
4: I, you know. I do remember the only thing. So, you know, when I was 12 in the first year I came there, i forget, who was the special team coach right before you? It was, he um, went to Seattle. The Schneider? It was Ryan Schneider. Ryan Schneider, yeah. Ryan Schneider, yeah, yeah. yeah. Schneider. So, Yep. I would go into the special teams meetings when I would come up to practice before the before um, the team meeting and then we'd all break off into position meetings and to go with the offensive alignment I remember when I came my eighth grade year the year after those special teams meetings were a lot a lot more uh, exciting with Baxter up there given uh, the I, I don't remember really hearing the uh, Constitution being said but I know it obviously it was said so I, I definitely remember uh, a difference with you're up there than when Brian Schneider was there.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I can compare because I wasn't with Brian Schneider, but, but uh, our meetings start off with a bang. Some of the other players are back there, and uh, you can ask them about the Constitution. But, uh, uh, you know, everybody on the team plays special teams. Uh, so you get to coach every player on the team. Uh, but, yeah, I, I can only imagine what it was like to walk in that one because it's kind of like coming in halfway <laughs> through the movie. They're pretty loud. <laughs>
2: And then for for Coach you and Matt, when you guys were on the same you know on the same squad together, you, you already talked a little bit about getting get a few extra touchdowns with the snap. But what was the connection uh, between you guys back then?
3: Yeah, uh, that whole staff came in and it kind of rocked my world my sophomore year because I had this big vision and dream of playing for Coach Carroll and kind of replicating what I grew up watching with you know Leonard and Carson and all those championships. Uh, and then to have like a whole new playbook, a whole new system, have to kind of start over. Uh, was was really challenging and then we were hit with the sanctions and all that stuff um, but I think Coach Bax really uh, kind of whipped guys into gear he kind of held a foundation for uh, for not only the academic side of, of our team um, but really just overall challenging us to, to be better in everything that we did and uh, yeah, I, I definitely think it, it worked and I was probably a bit uh, what, what would be the word uh not against it, but felt like I already had had my yeah. quietly protesting my ducks aligned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, quietly protesting. Uh, I think I felt like it was more so for the guys who skipped class every day. Well, I always <laughs> no. went to class and never needed to be checked on. Uh, but there were, there are little things that I still uh, picked up, and I'm, I'm re- mainly referring to what he uh, Coach Baxter runs in the academic game plan, which. Uh, In addition to what we learned in football, this helped us off the field uh, in both classroom and everyday life, and I still use some of the memorization techniques and note-taking techniques that Bax taught me, I don't even know if you know that, with the different colored pens and uh, Mm -hmm. images to remember certain sequences and stuff, lots of little things that uh, just kind of stuck with you, and I'm sure stuck with uh, a lot of those guys on that early team,
1: so... um, in in 2010, and it kind of carried through the rest of of those years. I remember uh, I I got hired here on March the 9th. I know I probably start sounding like Rain Man with these dates, but uh, (laughs) uh, I got hired here on March the 9th because I remember telling Lane no three times. And, uh, uh, you know, because for me, being a dad has been more important than being the coach, okay? And uh, I was at Fresno State for 14 years, 13 seasons. So I came down here, and I was here for like a week, and uh lane went through academic game plan as a player believe it or not and i don't think he's using any of it okay <laughs> and uh uh and so so uh he says we need to get some of the guys going and and he gives me this whole list of guys and i said well how about all the freshmen he says oh well, yeah we can do that you know and so then we made it voluntary i remember christian tupo and red ellison volunteered to be in there matt was sitting in the front row and it went for a week and he says how do you think it's going i said i think it's going horrible we're starting over next week and uh it was spring break. I went up to Fresno because uh, my kids were still finishing school, and I got Kelly. You remember the day Kelly came? Yep. So my daughter Kelly is now 23 and uh, an English teacher at Manuel Arntz High School. And, uh, and so she's in Teach for America. Kelly was 12 years old, and she did a 50-minute lesson with PowerPoint to these guys because here's the one thing I knew what I had to do. If I was going to get them to listen to me, I had to soften their hearts, and I wasn't going to do it, but guess what? When the 12-year-old girl walked in the room, they gave her their respect. You could hear a pin drop in there, and she gave them a picture of what it was I was talking about, and from, I think, that day forward, we never had another problem again, and it was uh, we reshaped the entire culture of the team academically and everything else, and I might add, in a 20-hour week in the NCAA, and I know in the NFL it's a full-time job, you only spend two hours on the field. The game is a classroom game. And you have to learn how to master the classroom if you're going to master the game.
2: Yep, That's a great uh, transition. We wanted to, you know, Football's the ultimate team sport. So I wanted to get from the players your perspective, like what your opinion on is uh, on being coached, your philosophy of uh, what you your approach to being coached. And for you, Coach, trying to coach these young men that are you know, student-athletes, of what your approach and philosophy is for that so I don't know if you want to start on that Jake yeah well
4: again um you know for me it was really adapting to what I knew my strengths were which was was feel and muscle um, memory and kind of trying to work with then you know with Baxter my high school coaches and and kind of you know working with my strengths and You know, listening, I remember, you know, Baxter would come out there with me and, you know, we do a lot of kind of different little drills and having me feel my fingertips. And, you know, he gave me a couple different visualizations on feels of, you know, getting the the nail, like if you had nail polish on your fingers, getting it off and a couple other things. So, you know, for me as a snapper, um, it was a lot of just, you know, really trying to, if... Baxter knew I had to go off feel in visualization and visualization and muscle memory It was how to giving me those feels It's just not like, "Hey, roll it off your fingertips, the football off your fingertips. no picture there's you know, nail polish on your fingertips and try to get it off so kind of correlating those feels, um, which was powerful and then again, I, I kind of touched on it when I first started talking, but a lot of it is in when we were in team meetings, it was about life, you know it was a lot about. Especially this past year, overcoming adversity, um, you know, and, and kind of Coach telling us a lot of different things, you know, about how adversity doesn't build character, it reveals character, and how, you know, changing the way you look at things and things you look at change. I mean, a lot of this stuff was just coming from uh, from guys – My coach has been around and teaching us so I mean a lot of it was just breaking it down into football into life and just really trying to take everything in and um I know again from my perspective of being coached by Helton and Baxter over the last, you know, three years, um it really did change a lot of how I looked at different situations in life.
2: Coach, this is pretty open-ended for you. So we have to, you know, that Daniel and and, and uh, Jake told me to, you know, make sure we rein you in a little bit. But mm-hmm. your coaching philosophy, how would you, you know, in a, in a nutshell, how would you kind of describe that?
1: Yeah, two-minute well, cap. Huh? <laughs> two-minute time cap. Oh, I can get there. I can get there. Okay, in third grade. No. uh, <laughs> um, um, <laughs> uh You know, football is a team game. It's the ultimate team game. And the first thing you got to do is you got to master the structure. I mean, you have to know the X's and O's, the mathematics, the the schematics, and all those kinds of things. But that being said, uh, there's a certain amount of time that you spend in the office, you know, mastering the structure, uh, inventing and reinventing yourself, um, all those kinds of things, recruiting. But then there is 110 individual athletes on the team that you have to figure out a path to their heart. And I mean every single one of them. No two guys are the same. And, uh, you know, it's really a player development model. And you either have a heart for developing players or you don't. But at the end of the game, it is the human connection you can establish. And in the way it is, and then through that human connection, you know, how you teach the game. But it's, it's kind of an old uh, adage, but it's one that I subscribe to, which is they don't, they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. But they have to know how much you care. Wow, that was a, a well said.
2: A, I mean, yeah, very well done. Nice.
1: Uh, he gave me two minutes. <laughs> that, Matt
2: put a cap on it for you, Matt. You've had the call, you know, high school, college, but also the NFL. So I don't know how yeah. your being coached philosophy may adapted a- over your career.
3: Yeah, I've had the the pleasure of having some fantastic coaches over the course of my career. Um, I mean, going all the way back to my first football coach and junior American, who for whatever reason saw something in me and took me out of the offensive line drills and put me at quarterback after I insisted I wanted to play quarterback. And he believed in me and taught me what a three-step drop, what a five-step drop was, and uh, helped turn me into a quarterback. And then, I mean, from my high school coach, you know, legendary Bruce Rollinson, who really shaped me as a young man and uh, pushed me further than I thought I could be pushed, Um, you know, from Pete Carroll even to Kiffin. I mean, the coaches I've had, up until this point, I've each taught me something. And what I, I think is so, so vital that most of the public doesn't really realize is like back said, football is the ultimate team sport and you need to have a cohesive learning environment on both the coaching staff and the players in order to, to win. And if there's any clashing or there's uh, egos involved or uh, you know, it's my way or the highway, they've done it this way for so long. It's, it's not a good way uh, to play. And, I feel really blessed is this last year uh, when I signed with the Bills, our offensive coordinator, a guy named Brian Dable, he was with New England for their first five Super Bowls, and so he knows what it's like to win. And he he really believed in me and and saw me, I think, differently than other coaches had in the past, whereas other GMs or scouts or coaches just saw on paper my stats in the league, which aren't the best so far. I'll, I'll be the first to admit it. Uh, but he saw me for who I was, both how I practiced, just my demeanor, and really kind of believed in me like my first football coach did. And I think having a coach that that sees something in you and believes in you, no matter what, they might not see either on paper or granted, you have to prove it on the field and show it, Uh, but having a coach that believes in you and giving you that confidence to go out and play, uh, there's nothing like it. And so I'm glad to be in a situation now where, I have a staff who who believes in me. They know I can win, and I think that makes all the difference in a player's confidence, yeah.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Um, very cool. Uh, so one of the things, everyone up here has had to overcome adversity. Maybe not Jake as much. No, but everyone has had to overcome. <laughs> just kidding. His, his, his life is going so well, it's like he hasn't overcome anything. <laughs> um, but I wanted to kind of get your philosophies on overcoming adversity, especially for, for John Baxter and, and Matt Barkley, Going through the, those horrible NCAA sanctions and everything that, you know, still having like a 10-2 and two season and all that kind of stuff. Uh, maybe we'll save Jake for last on this one. So, uh, so, Coach, maybe if you want to talk about your philosophies on overcoming, uh, you know, adversity. Well,
1: my philosophy on it is is that everybody that's going to be successful better find an answer to it um, because it's going to be there. It's there for all of us. And uh, I really believe, as you heard Jake say, you know, adver- adversity doesn't build character. First of all, it reveals it and I can say this about this last season Uh, no matter what anybody says when you go 5 and 7 you really get a chance to look in the mirror and when you go 5 and 7 at USC you really get a chance to look in the mirror and I can tell you this if I ever go 5 and 7 again I want to go with Clay Helton because he is the exact same guy at 12 and 0 and 5 and 7 okay Um, he believes in all of us he supports all of us he's had to make some difficult decisions but uh, but I'll tell you what, he is a champion of a person. And, and however nice you think he is, he's even nicer in person. Uh, so whether it was the sanctions in 2010, whether it was this, uh, in a 12-0 and season, there's going to be some adversity, whether it's some injuries or some things that don't go your way. And you just have to find it deep down inside that your purpose is bigger than any one of these situations because the situations are just temporary.
2: All right very good and what about you matt what have, i mean you've had there's been a lot you know when you come in you're changing the coaching staff the sanctions yeah. all that stuff going on you know going to the nfl and you know what how what are your philosophies on overcoming it
3: i think i was uh blessed early on in my life my family was able to provide me with some unique experiences that really gave me a different perspective on football and, and really life in general um but like The missions trips, for example, that we were able to take overseas, building houses for people who had nothing, just bringing like soccer balls to kids in Nigeria, where they were like had sticks set up as somewhat of a goal on a field that looked like a mountain bike trail. But we give them a soccer ball, and it's like a pot of gold for these kids. But they'll play with that ball till it wears thin, and they can't even kick it. And uh, just realizing uh, what what's important. And don't get me wrong, football is is up there with some of the most important things in my life, but when it comes down to, oh no, you're not going to be able to play in a bowl game, or you have these sanctions, or you can't do anything about it, um, Coach Rawlinson, my high school football coach, it was kind of his saying, it was written on the walls of our high school, it says, you provide the effort, God God provides the outcome. And there was nothing that we as players could have done through that situation, uh, other than give it our all and go forth. I mean, complaining about what people outside of our control were doing uh, with the NC2A and uh, with the sanctions that was doing no no good for our team and so I just kind of st- stepped back and, and looked at the big picture and saw well if if we can't do that if we can't play in the postseason or we have these less scholarships, as wrong as it is as unjust as it is in my opinion, let's not worry about that let's focus on this season right now and where we are and perform the best that we can. And so that's what I kind of tried to relay to my teammates. And, um, and I think Kiff and Bax and the rest of the staff, Coach Helen at the time, did a good job of keeping us focused on what we could control. And uh, that's really all I was trying to max out.
2: Awesome. All right. Uh, then we'll say, Jake, yeah, I think for- I could probably speak for most everyone here. It's like hard to imagine what you've gone through in your life and still what you've been able to accomplish. Like we talked about a lot of the things that you've already done in this company and it's pretty amazing. So I just, what, how is it, have you been able to kind of persevere through everything that all the crap that life has dealt you and you've been able to just kind of, you know, take the, the, lemons and make lemonade out
4: of. yeah well i mean you know obviously the first thing i mean it does take a village i mean i've, I've been like Barkley said i mean i've been blessed with family and friends to have been there for me through all of it and i've had great teammates and great you know like a great sister great friends um great parents who just really believed in me through this and and really encouraged me which is i think obviously why we're here on earth together um is to love and encourage one another but more than that, i think you know, it's a mindset that you got to take before you even face adversity and obviously you even get stronger in that mindset through adversity, and that is, you know, this is not going to stop me. Um, like Coach Baxter said, situations are temporary. And understanding that in that adversity in the hard times, when you take that mindset that, hey, this is temporary, I'm going to get over this, I'm going to get through this, with my mindset and with, you know, the strength that comes from wherever you want to get it from, you um, that it will turn out better and you will come out on it the other side um, better than you ever went into it uh, with. So for me, it was recognizing that, you know, in the case of blindness, that, hey, it was going to take a lot out of me, sure, and it was going to hit me hard, but I could still move through it, and I wasn't going to let that uh, situation forfeit the, re- you know, have me forfeit the rest of my life and my dreams of playing sports, or my just ability to, to live life in the way I wanted to. Um, another thing, obviously, was just understanding what I was worth the entire time, and I think that's one of the things that has been really cool in SC football over the last couple of years, Is uh, and I think why the players love Helton so much, is that he believes in us, and he tells us what we're worth every day, and that's a, a heck of a lot. Um, I remember, you know, even if we we're playing our you know twelfth game last season and we were five and six and we're going to Notre Dame. I mean I don't think there's any doubt in his mind or any of the coaches mind that we couldn't go out there and literally go toe to toe if not kick the butts of the the Irish. And you know it didn't turn out that way, but I'm just saying that our coaches put that belief in us still they they made sure we knew what we were worth as a football team and as football players and that goes a long way it goes a long way and so you know for me overcoming adversity was just understanding that no matter what happened to me if I couldn't see or if you know I I had a bad snap or whatever that I knew what I was worth I knew I could go out there and, and continue to do well and I had people around me that believed in me that I could do well as um like coach Baxter and um you know other coaches in my
2: life Right. Awesome. All right. Yeah. No one knows more about overcoming adversity than you, probably, Jake, around here. So that's <laughs> awesome. Um, football. We said ultimate team sport. Yeah. Give them a round of applause. Come on. Jake freaking ults everybody. Okay. <laughs> ultimate team sport. But there, and a lot of the people here that maybe are on the message boards and stuff, they follow recruiting. They said, "Oh, Matt Barkley. He's the five-star quarterback." I do remember interviewing you, like at the Army All-American Bowl. You were like 16 years old, or something. Down even before you were playing in that. But you know, we we know these guys when they're like 15, 16 years old. We put rankings out about all this stuff, and you kind of follow them through their careers. But it's not just about you know you got this quarterback or this offensive lineman or whatever, uh, Chris Dowd. It's really there's a human factor element into this for players and coaches and. And, you know, John Baxter said you have 110 kids. You're trying to reach all of their, you know, figure out the way to each of their hearts. Like, there there has to be – I mean, how important is that human factor in a game like this where there's so many different personalities and so many different ways you could go?
3: Oh, it's, it's, it's huge. I mean, Coach Kenny Pola, who's now, I think, Coach Polamado, uh, who played here, was a running back here, uh, would always talk about playing for your buddy. And if you don't have that love for your teammates – where you would do anything to protect them, to save them, to win for them, that trust factor that that comes into, into being a team, if that's not there, when it comes down the wire, when you do face adversity and you only turn to yourself, you're not going to accomplish anything. I mean, it all just falls apart. But if you can rely on your teammates, if you can rely on the guy next to you, and they know that you're going to give your all, and you know that they're going to do everything they can to make this play work, then... No matter what happens, how crowd, how loud the crowd is, I mean, you can rely on your guys to win the game. Good things are going to happen.
1: How about you, Coach? What do you think? You know, when, when, uh, when you get – I remember when Matt was a freshman at Modern Day, right? I was at Fresno State, and I went down there, and, uh, you know, I walked in there, and, and – uh, I said to Rollinson, I said, I heard you got a great freshman quarterback. He goes, Yeah, his name's Barkley. Right? <laughs> That's and a uh, great person. You know, and I said, Hey, you know, can I get that kid's phone number and address? He goes, Nope, because he's going to SC. <laughs> I go, He's 14, coach. Okay. Uh, you know, because Matt was starting. Matt was. The amazing thing about Matt Barkley was you were the starting quarterback every single year of high school and college.
3: Until my first game in the NFL. Yeah.
1: OK, still an amazing feat. Right. But you take you take all these young people who come to you from all the backgrounds. OK. And uh, football is being played at the elite level in very few, uh, um, you know, elite uh, financial communities. Right. It's being played well in a lot of the cities and and those kinds of things. So you have various backgrounds of of uh, families, family types, uh, types of schools, public schools, private schools, and you have to take all these individuals and you have to make them a team. Because they have to play together and they have to play for each other. Um, I can tell you this, my favorite season of all of my seasons was 2013. Because in 2013, uh, we took a team that lined up against Fresno State in the bowl game with 43 scholarship players. We won 10 games that season. Um, We went through... Lane Kiffin, Ed Ogeron, and Clay Helton, three head coaches. Um, we have a picture of all of us in the hotel room in Las Vegas. And we said, and then there were nine. Okay? But that was a team, you know, when, when Lane got let go in, in, uh, after the Arizona State game. We all came in a meeting room, and we had a choice. We could all bag the season, protect ourselves, start looking for jobs, calling our friends, or we could go in that room and we could be about what we preach. And we went in and we got that team together and we played for each other and coached for each other all the way through. And when we added them all up, we had 10 wins against all the odds, against all the adversity. But it's all that bringing individual people together under one umbrella, under one common goal, under one philosophy, and teaching them what it means to be that. And that's the challenge every single year with every
2: single team. Awesome. And then, Jake, for you, um, certainly relying on your teammates for stuff. Yeah. Round of applause for Coach. I mean, did, if you guys ever get to come out and watch practice, it's what you see Jake and, uh, you know, one of the other guys on the special teams will be kind of directing him out and uh, showing him to where he has to go and, you know, lining him up for – The snapping and stuff, but what is the human element meant for you, Jake? Because I mean, there's a a, you're relying on a lot of other people in practice a lot.
4: Yeah, no, and I think uh, and I think that's what makes it so special. I mean, uh, obviously, Wyatt was my holder, and he, you know, did did everything to care for me and make sure, you know, obviously we had the system down flat, not Um, too
1: loud, Jake. He's in the back.
2: He's back there.
4: He's giving you the fight off. All of (laughs) a sudden,
1: he's starting to like uh, give it to this. I know, I know. (laughs) Now, now he won't
4: leave me alone. So, um, but. So I mean, obviously that was special. And, you know, all my special teams, um, you know, who who just helped me warm up—if I was throwing with me or catching the ball for me, um, or practicing with me—I mean, that that was something that obviously is a uh, is a selfless connection that obviously my teammates had with uh, me, and that and that was something special. But I think, you know, from my freshman year when we had Sark, um, like back was saying a little bit. I mean, you got you got to play for each other, even Barkley was saying. And honestly, I think my freshman year to where we came f- uh, from to. My senior year, uh, the big difference between Sark and Helton was the fact that we started playing for each other more. I mean, Helton had us become more of a family. Uh, you know, Faith Family Football is kind of three uh, sayings, he, or three words he always uses, and it's true. I mean, it really is true that he made us more of a family than I think we ever were, as, you know, from my opinion, our, our freshman year with uh, Sark. And because of that, you know, you do start playing for your brother. And when the hard times do come, you don't start pointing fingers, you don't start... Um, you know, bagging on one another, but you you pick each other up and keep each other accountable and you just move on and um, pick your brother up. And so I think that's been something that was really special over the last three years as well and just having kind of that brotherhood and that family develop under Coach Helton.
2: Awesome. All right. Well, a lot of people here want to know about the current USC football team. So we've kind of got to bring it around to that. You already mentioned, you know, Matt starting all the games and well, we'll start with you, Matt. Starting all the games at modern day, USC has a quarterback that did the same thing, graduated a year early, not a semester early, like you, and came over there. Do you have any relationship with JT Daniels or any thoughts on what you've seen from him?
3: Yeah, we actually train with the same QB coach together. i uh, thrown with him a few times, uh, obviously, watched him at modern day and uh, don't know him too well. Um, but I mean, there were times last fall when he was in training camp. Uh, he would text me, like, how did you adjust with classes, with the speed of the game, with, like, the pocket collapsing so much quicker. And uh, so I was able to kind of help him through that a little bit and just share my experience of how I adapted to uh, to playing in, in college. Granted, I didn't have the line he did at modern day, so my <laughs> pocket was always collapsing in high school still. But uh, it, it's a tough transition going from playing with – all 17 year olds, 16 year olds, 18 year olds to 21 year old men, you know, it's a, it's a big jump. And so, um, to be honest, I haven't followed this this spring too closely in regards to the quarterback battle or what it's been. But I, uh, I know JT is uh, super intelligent when it comes to knowing an offense and knowing, uh, you know, checks and audibles and stuff, and he can sling it. Uh, I know Jack's a good player too. Um, just a matter of who can command a team you know be a field general uh but yeah did he ask a rare
2: kind of advice from you just from you know what doing a similar kind of path as you
3: uh i remember early on in his modern day career when he i think he was a freshman or maybe a sophomore he asked me how do how how do you earn respect from older teammates because i think at one point he uh he tried to like speak up and and say something to the group but older seniors like shot him down or said like it's not your time to talk or whatever and uh it was kind of tough for me to answer because I never really was early on at least uh a vocal leader. I was always a lead by example type of guy. Like you'd always see me doing the right thing. I'd always do the right number of reps, run through the line, all that stuff. Uh and so in high school I had a great group of older guys that I looked up to, and playing early on helped just kind of solidify that where I didn't really need to speak up, per se. Uh, But as I've grown as a quarterback, being vocal as a leader uh, is beneficial and I think necessary uh, in any situation as a leader. You need to be able to speak up and say what you need to say. Uh, But it comes, again, back to trust. Like if your teammates don't trust you, if they don't believe in what you're you're doing, then they're not going to – listen to what you have to say. So I kind of just boiled it down to trust for him. you got to make sure that your teammates trust you and that they see you doing all the right things. You can't say one thing, you know, this way and then turn around and do something else. So authenticity is huge.
2: Awesome. Uh, For you, Coach, watch it. I can be a little snarky on Twitter if you guys follow me and stuff. But watching spring football, there was a lot of optimism, I think, for me and a lot of people in the media, just seeing some of the changes that were made. Seeing uh, your guy, Ben Griffiths, out there just hitting 65 yard punts all over the place. But it seems like, you know, with Graham Harrell, everyone coming in, it seems like there was a lot of positive changes in the spring. I mean, is that kind of the way the coaching staff feels that you guys are set up like, hey, we can surprise the people? Maybe you're not, you know, p- predicting it's going to be a huge year after five and seven, but it seems like there's a lot of optimism in the building now.
1: Um, I can just say this I really like our team. Uh, I really like our team a lot. And, uh, um, you know there were there are coaches that are that are not here that are still friends of mine and are still good people and uh, there are some players that have moved on because they've graduated and and under the next opportunities there are some new players in the program. Uh, it's just really interesting to see the dynamics of how you build a team in college football today. You know it used to be, let's just say, ten years ago. Uh, you know, the, the the path was come in, most of the guys redshirted and then played four more years. Fifth-year seniors were a fairly regular occurrence. You will rarely see a fifth-year senior again at the elite level in college football. Players are coming out of high school early, and they're all sped up. Uh, you know, they, they get here in January. Uh, at USC, there's a path to a degree in three and a half years easily, four years very easily. If a guy redshirts... Usually, he's going to probably play three years. If, he's, if he hasn't had the success he's want to have, he'll probably want a grad transfer. If he has, and he has his degree, he's going to want to take on the next challenge, which is the National Football League. So we're having to build teams a little bit faster, okay? Uh, I always say talent is the raw material, technique is the finished product. We're looking at a guy like Amon Ross St. Brown as an incredible leader. Go he's runners. been here 12 months. Okay, uh, you know Talanoa Hafunga has been here 10 months or 12 months um these guys are now just starting to learn we replaced a guy that didn't come out of college one year early two years early with a guy that came out of high school one year early um and those are just facts okay uh but I think we have some coaches that are incredible in key positions and I think we have some players that are now going to fill some key positions uh but uh you know the schedule is the schedule, and if you if you don't like competition, don't come to USC. But uh, I can tell you this: I love our team right now.
2: Have you been impressed with Graham Harrell and what he's able to do? I mean, they, they installed. If you watch spring football, they installed the entire offense in one week, so three practices, and they basically did the same thing five weeks, you know, five uh, weeks in a row or whatever. So I mean, that pretty different philosophy. I don't know what you've thought of of them.
1: Well. Uh, it's, a, it's an incredible philosophy and one that I was never part of because most of my career I was part of the West Coast offense. So if anybody ever wants to know what the West Coast offense is, it means you use Bill Walsh's terminology. Okay? He's the one who built it, and he built the West Coast offense at the Cincinnati Bengals, which is not real, West Coast. Okay? Uh, and that, that is an offense where basically you get into formations and run plays to put one player on another player, but you scheme the opponent the entire way. This philosophy is about 18 plays, and you run them from every different personnel group in every different formation. You run them as fast as possible, and you basically out-execute your opponents. The great thing in a college football system is you take really talented athletes. They learn the system pretty fast, and it should lead to our players being better than other players because they just execute at a higher level. The thing that I've really enjoyed watching is our receivers and our running backs and our quarterbacks are really freed up right now, and they're really playing, I think, really good.
2: Awesome. And then uh, Jake, for you, I mean, you went from a huge USC football fan to a player, which I know you didn't expect. Now you're going to kind of go back into, you know, being a fan again. But what are your thoughts kind of on this uh, upcoming 2019 season?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, talking to some of the guys, I mean, they're hungry. I mean, they uh, they are really hungry to go out there and uh, compete. And I think Se more seasons than not we're not seen as the underdog where everyone's you know and i think we still are obviously everyone's highlighted game um but you know we are kind of seen in a different light like, uh, this upcoming season of people not expecting a lot and i think that just fuels our uh, our fire a little bit um you know we kind of talked about a little bit today with adversity of you know things happening for a reason coming out on the other side better than you ever went in um, realizing that that adversity is happening for a reason we have a tough schedule there's no doubt about that um there's going to be a lot of I think, tough moments in a season, inevitably. Um, and I think what a lot of those guys went through last year with a 5-7 and seven and having to put your head down and not taking a, a week off, even if you're coming off a loss or two of not changing anything but continuing to learn and to be, become better, that pays dividends in the future. And so I think it's going to be really something special this year because I do think there will be hard times, but I do think – those guys are more battle-tested than I think you could ever ask in a football team because of last season, which I think will prove to be really cool in how just how, again, people overcome adversity and come out on the other side. And I think it'll be really cool to see just how they, you know, we go up to Washington and the next week go to Notre Dame. I think those guys are going to take that better than I think you could ever imagine.
2: All right. Well, we're going to open up the questions in a few minutes, but any kind of good stories about each other or anything else do you guys want to share before we kind of open up to uh, some questions?
3: Ryan, you brought up earlier that, With the Engage experience, I think, Jake, you can book a golf experience with Jake.
2: Unbelievable.
3: Yeah, I remember this would have been maybe my sophomore or junior year at USC. Uh, Jake and I uh, decided we are going to go down to his home course in Huntington Beach with his dad and play a round of golf. And I was super excited because at the time, I was kind of really getting into golf and still not very good. I was happy to hit, you know, under 100. And I was... Pumped because i finally had a chance to beat someone i mean this kid's blind i was like matt you got this let's go and we get out there and his dad lines him up for his shots it's like playing a video game like one of those track balls you know you just have to judge the speed correctly because the swing's gonna be perfect every single time and he ends up beating me we play
4: golf and he beats me. Hey, he's sandbagging though. Like this guy, he's saying he's barely shoots under 100. This guy, I remember on the seventh pole, he's in the bunker and chips it in. He, he, he drains it from the bunker. And I was like, what What the heck, that was man? It's pure luck. I get I don't know if that. What do you say about luck, coach?
3: <laughs>
4: What's that? said, so what do you usually say about luck? Luck is what happens when preparation meets opportunity. There you go, Matt. Oh, See, you're yeah. just... Uh... I prepared my whole life yeah. for that show. Yeah, <laughs> <there you go. laughs>
2: it is, though. I mean, it, I've shared this before. And, like, Matt, you got to play with them. For the Trojan Club of the Desert or whatever they call it now, uh, I went out there. And Jake was the featured speaker. And I was one of the speakers, too. And we end up being the same. Uh, it was a threesome and, with his dad, Brian. And, and we end up winning the tournament. And mostly because Jake was just roping drives down the middle. I, I hit some That's good puns and stuff, but Jake was destroying the ball. He hit, We were like 250 out on a par five from the rough. He hit a driver off the deck, and it almost got to the green. He ended up chipping it within four feet, and he birdied the hole all by himself. But it's pretty amazing experience. So go on the Let's Engage website. If you want to have a, the best day of golf of your life, you would want to check that out.
4: <laughs> <No doubt. laughs> Thanks, Ryan. A shameless plug, I guess. Yeah.
2: But
3: Even before that golf experience. So I remember we played uh, Hawaii, the season opener my sophomore year, and you came out for that game and just lost both eyes, and uh, I was like, Jake, what are you coming out here for? He's like, oh, I'm going to teach myself to surf. I'm like, what? (laughs) Well, you play golf, you teach yourself to surf, you're going to teach yourself to play guitar. I'm like, that's what people with eyes can't even accomplish. like You're doing this blind. It was just... Early on, I had already known him at that point, but it was just such an encouraging story. Still, all those little things. Well, I remember just kept plugging through.
4: I remember Matt, you, um, you, Chris, and I did the thirtieth swim with Mike first swim, That's and right. it was uh, a competition of who could get to the end of the pool fastest. And I remember Chris trying to threaten me back when we were changing bathing suits of what he was going to do to me in the pool if I got ahead from him. And so I knew I knew Chris had it out for me, so I, I was taking my chances on you, Matt. And I remember, I forget, I forget exactly what happened, but I think Chris tried to pull down my shorts, and so I tried to pull down your shorts or something like that, and it just turned out to be a very funny moment. And then I think I came ahead. I'm not sure who won that day, but I do remember that was like one of the... Coolest moments of my young life in that I uh, had a swim competition with Matt Barkley and Chris O'Dowd in a, in a pool. Yeah, we'll, we'll say you won. Yeah,
2: you thanks. Who, who won that, Matt? Jake. Did I win? The,
3: the,
2: the, Are you pointing at me or Jake?
3: Jake
4: won that. Chris, Chris and Jake won. won. <laughs> I think have, you,
2: the last, have you beaten so someone, him in anything?
4: Someone call Ron Ordo. He won't tell you the truth.
2: <laughs> I think I, the last swim with Mike, too, Jake jumped off the like 10-meter board and then was asked afterwards, like he said, just don't look down. And it was yeah. pretty funny. Yeah. This is a perfect Jake moment. <laughs> That was like, uns- I think it was <laughs> tweeted out on social media. That's that happened. Okay. Yeah. I was there. Coach, do you have any good Jake stories you want to share?
1: Man, I got a lot, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we don't have enough time here. Well, I got I got two. Uh, one was, uh, okay, our meeting room, as you commented, it's come up two or three times. is pretty wild. It's pretty loud. We do a lot of stuff. I have never one time allowed a camera in there, and I really don't ever want to because i'm not all access all the time that's our place that's our sanctuary but uh we have some fun in there but we really grind on it so fridays uh <laughs> fridays when the players come in they have to memorize their tips or reminders and when i call them they have to stand up or stand on their chair and we turn the lights out so that way we make sure they're not reading and they got to go through them so on the field goal team it's jake's turn because everybody's going to get called the first the first tip on the uh, score team is see the ball, be disciplined, move on the ball only, right Jake? Yes. And then he adds his own line in. But I don't have any eyes, so screw it. <laughs> <laughs> and he didn't say screw it. He said another way, okay? Um somewhere in my first week at USC, I realized back when I came back, I realized that I was going to get the opportunity to coach Jake and I was like a little intimidated by it like you know what do you what do you do okay uh but nonetheless i was over at the galen center eating and all of a sudden i was kind of amazed early on how jake could get around because he had the dog but he really didn't need it you know he always goes in the way goes into the locker room in the morning shows up for weightlifting puts the dog away okay walks out of the locker room how many steps is it down to the weight room uh it would be 11 okay i, I walks out Knows right where the steps are, goes down the steps, goes in, turns right. I mean, you has got nothing with him, okay? So he's walking kind of from the sword up by the McKay Center, and I'm coming from Galen where i just eaten, and here comes Jake walking straight at the statue of John McKay. And right about then, like I said, I've been here a week. Right about then, I get this thing that comes over me because I want to yell, Jake! Look out for the 10-foot statue of Bron John McKay. But I'm like, I'm going to see if he hits it. <laughs> and here he comes, and he's walking right at it. And I'm just getting ready to say something, and he gets within, I'm telling you, not within five feet and goes, whoop, right around it. And I'm like, that guy's my idol. <laughs> That's Quebec, though, for you right there. So, yeah. So... The only story I have, I got a lot of stories on Matt, too, but oh, one of the good. great ones is, yeah, good. is uh, when uh, when I was going to get into the empty saddle club, Brian, uh, <laughs> you know, you have to do a presentation. And uh, I figured this presentation was more important than it ultimately seemed.
3: This is a cowboy so, roping club. He's a yeah. part This is where I team race. rope, where
1: I should be tonight at 7 o'clock. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I'm like, Matt, you want to come to this with me? Sure, yeah. So Matt comes. I'm like, we're there a couple hours earlier. like, hey, you want to go for a ride? Yeah. So I put him, I give him my cowboy hat, seven and three-eighths, fit him perfect. Perfect. Okay? And uh, we get on the horses, and we go out up in Palos Verdes, and we're riding around for a couple of hours. And we're coming back, and the guy we're with, his horse is on the thing, and it slips. And I'm like, oh, man, I got the starting quarterback at USC. Okay, whatever. So we get back, and then obviously the thing gets around, so Lane comes in, and he goes, did you put Matt Barkley on a horse? I said, yeah. And he goes, what if he would have gotten hurt? I said, you told me you're the greatest quarterback coach on earth. Just get another one ready. <laughs> That's nice. good. And it,
2: for people to know, you coached Lane Kiffin at Fresno State too, right? You were there? Or? I did. Yeah. I
1: coached Lane Kiffin. And then Then we recruited David Carr. And then Lane Kiffin became a student coach.
2: Yeah, so David Carr comes in. Yeah, He so, was pretty good.
1: Yeah, he was great. And so... Uh, uh, <laughs> But I'll tell you this amazing thing about Matt Barkley, about David Carr, about Sam Darnold. The guys who make the best pros are the guys who would play for free. And I can tell you this, David Carr, Matt Barkley, who did an amazing job at the darkest time in recent history at USC, are those kinds of guys you want to build a team with because they would play the game even if they played for free.
3: Money doesn't hurt, though. (laughs)
2: No. <laughs> he's got you know he's got children to take care of and stuff so yeah so he's got to pay the bills uh well uh, hey daniel do you want to come up and uh or do you want me to, i could go around to uh to open up for questions i don't know what he's saying You're gonna, oh, oh we want to break up J- okay so we do have a special uh a special uh presentation here so if you guys know jacob Ullman, he's uh what you know Big time Trojan, super executive at Fox Sports, and he's got a very special surprise for our buddy Jake Olson over there. So, Jacob, and he's he's limping around his thing. So, thanks thanks for that, Jake.
5: So, I am limping around. Um, it started as an innocent enough soccer accident, and unfortunately, it's developed into a weird nervous issue, and uh, it's it's something called complex regional pain syndrome. Hopefully, you don't have it, and hopefully, you don't know anybody that have it. It really sucks. Um, but when I've hit low points, I've been inspired by Jake. And I said, "If you know, in my head, if, if he's not down, how can I possibly down? So once again, inspiring me. Um, as a result of the accident, I haven't seen Jake since graduation. So I brought him a special gift. Um, the Fox Sports, uh, we signed a deal with the WWE, the World Wrestling Entertainment Company, and there's no better person to have a WWE heavyweight champion belt than Jake Olson. So Yes. Woo!
2: This way. He's
5: coming behind you, Jake.
3: He's unzipping it. Oh my goodness. Look at that.
2: that is insane. <laughs> Just look at that, Jake. <laughs> it's heavy too.
3: <laughs> Everyone's taking pictures Wait, well, you gotta put it on
1: Here. Yeah
3: You gotta take your shirt off Make it realistic
2: yeah, <laughs> How crazy is that? That's insane oh
4: my gosh. That is Coming in at 6'3 230 pound In the left corner
3: <laughs> Do you have a fighter's name? Or like a stage name?
4: Yeah, I'll I'll uh I'll do an insta I'll post an Instagram on this and uh leave it to comments of what my wrestling name should be. <laughs> so you think about that. You guys <laughs> The Dark Knight. Yeah, the Dark Knight. Jake the snake. There you go. That, that was the OG one. I think there's already a wrestler with that, wasn't there? Yeah. You the Thank you so much, Jacob. Oh, that means so much to me. So what's what's on this thing? What does it say? It
5: just uh, WWE and it's got a bunch of jewels.
4: Oh my gosh. A,
5: a world heavyweight champion.
4: All right. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go hit the gym after this and uh, take a picture. So, thank you so much. This is incredible. I never thought I'd have one of these. I, I swear to God.
2: Awesome. Thanks for that, Jacob. Uh, do you want to do uh, questions now? All right. I'll come out here. I'm oh, sorry. Oh yeah. Here we. We'll, uh, let's put it on. We'll put it in the. Oh, you want to put it in your lap? Okay. Put it right up. Oh, hold on. Daniel's got it. Okay, so we'll open it up. I'll come out, and uh, if anyone has any questions for anybody here, we got MD3 in the house. Here we go.
0: Matt, I would love to hear all the
3: details about you walking into the shoe by state and oh, yeah. taking on the Buckeyes and beating them. Yeah. Please just explain every moment of that experience. How many of you guys traveled to the horseshoe and, and watched that game? For you guys, Cyano Psycho was there. <laughs> that still is one of my... Is the... 50-0 uh, to zero is pretty awesome, but if not that UCLA game, <laughs> the game at the Horseshoe was my favorite football experience to this day. I could remember uh, driving into the stadium, and for whatever reason, we drove through their fraternity row, <laughs> and I was a 17, 18-year-old kid, just turned 18, or just turned 19, and I witnessed things I'd never seen before. I mean, my mom raised me not to do those things. And there were girls doing things and throwing beer bottles at her bus. And so I was a, a a little oblivious, too, really, to the whole uh, magnitude, I think, of that game. Uh, looking back, it was a college game day. Uh, I think like 106,000 people, primetime game. I don't even know off the top of my head what our rankings were, but I think we were both top ten teams. And to me, it was just my first row game at USC. And I had grown up watching, you know, all the the great games in the Coliseum, so I was used to, like, massive crowds and figured that's just what USC football is, you know? And uh, so going in with that kind of, like, childlike whatever, just like let's get it done mentality, I definitely think helped. Um, and to this day, it's also the loudest environment I've ever been in. I mean, I've been to concerts where the speaker's right in front of my ear, and this stadium was louder. For whatever reason, even during TV timeouts, like I could be yelling at Coach Baxter, and he'd have to read my lips. I mean, it was beyond loud, and then the whole game was kind of back and forth, um, uh, just good football all around, and then... I mean, of course, that final drive, uh, you know, with Joe McKnight rest in peace, uh, you know, Anthony McCoy had some big catches. Uh, we pretty much just ran it at will that last drive, and then uh, Stephon much ran much it in, yeah, at the end. It was uh, just to hear the stadium go absolutely silent after how loud it was it was the best. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolute best. So that was a fun one. We have a Okay
2: a question over here?
0: I'd like to ask, uh, Coach, uh, you know, we had, a, I, I think, probably everybody would agree, including the coaches, that some serious problems last year with discipline. And I'd like to know, uh, actually, specifically, what the new coaching staff is doing uh, to make sure that that doesn't happen again this year. Well, discipline is a
1: fairly broad issue, <laughs> and uh, uh, but I can tell you this, uh, when it, as it relates to um, penalties, right. Uh, as it relates to penalties and, uh, you know, those types of things, uh, you know, that's, that's, uh, those, those issues have, have been addressed, continue to be addressed, continue to be addressed now, as far as, uh, here's the way a drill is supposed to be run. Here's the way a play is supposed to run. Here's the level of execution. Um, if a player jumps offside, he comes out, you know, right then he doesn't continue to play. Uh, Um, the, it's, uh, if, um, I have a saying that says when, uh, uh, when emotion goes up, intelligence goes down and we had a few of those emotionals go up and intelligence goes down. And when that happens at practice, it happened, I know twice for sure in the spring, we stopped the practice and the whole team started doing something else besides play football. Uh, so, I mean, ultimately, uh it's either the player, the system or the coach. Okay. And I mean, wherever you look, it's one of those. And, and ultimately as a coaching staff, we took a hard look at what the situations were and, and have looked at how we can improve in those situations and hold players more accountable and ultimately work to put players in the game that are going to be accountable and are going to do the right things. I mean, uh, let's face it. You're going to have penalties. You're going to have mistakes. You're going to have whatever. It's the ultimate team game with 11 players, but, uh, but it's an issue that we're heavily focused on and, uh,
2: and and working at. All right. Other questions? Here we go over here. Oh, wait. Uh, come over here. I don't want you to be right in front of the speaker, sorry. Just in case. We're going like, to blow everyone's ears out.
1: Another one for Coach Baxter. Uh, a little bit about the fake punt return against UCLA. And if you could tell us about it with your best Coach O impression, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, good <did laughs> yeah <laughs> well i tell you what those bruins across town now you know you can't it's unacceptable to lose the uh, ucla <laughs> okay uh, <laughs> i cannot do that very long because it hurts <laughs> like heck uh, you know that was a uh that that's a play that i've run i know i've run in games four times uh
4: uh, we, had, actually, we had one with I, us. Huh?
1: You said you had one with us. a junior year, wasn't it? That's right. Uh, but but the uh, but the, but that play against UCLA, there's a there's a signed piece of paper in my office because I told Clay Helton, if we get UCLA on the left hash, this play is going to score, and I said it to him and signed it on Wednesday night. Uh, but it's just uh, it's it's a result of just doing your job, and so the first thing you do when you scout an opponent. Is you look at who they are, okay? And once you figure out who they are, then you take who we are and try to apply it to that. And it was really, it's really a combination of who their punter was, okay, which we've scored a touchdown against that punter two years in a row, blocked one and returned one, okay? But, you know, who he was and where he put the ball and then how his players played around him. But the bottom line is you just simply take advantage of one thing. When the punt team's running down the field, they think that the punt returner is actually going to run, catch the ball. Correct? And when he runs over here, the best part of the play was a, J. a. Harris runs to the middle of the field, and then he looks up in the air, and I said, no matter what, a, J. a. you must stay in character. You cannot look over there. Okay? And then he couldn't help himself. Okay? <laughs> but he's in the middle of the field, and, and he's not calling fair catch or anything else because that would kill the play. And then all of a sudden, Michael Pittman is standing there, 52 yards over there, and Michael Pittman starts to run, and a J&A a goes. <laughs> he pointed? And all the guys at UCLA turn and duck their heads. Okay? But uh, it was just a really well-executed uh, play by the players. All
2: right. All right cool. All right. Anybody have questions? I can't see. Oh, over here. All right, little man, what you got?
5: I'm actually a 10-year-old football player, and I was wondering if you had any suggestions for my game on and off the field.
3: Who's that for? All of us?
5: Um, anybody on the panel.
3: <laughs> you start, Junior All-American. You already beat me to it. I wasn't even playing football. He plays wide receiver. Nice. Okay. You beat me to it. I wasn't even playing football at 10. So you might know something that I didn't know at your age. Uh, but like uh, I told that story of when I first started playing football I was always a bigger kid and that coach tried to put me on offensive line I'm like no nope. I was a thrower I pitched in baseball I played <laughs> volleyball I know that I want to play quarterback and uh, I just never gave up at that dream I went I remember going through like shin splints and growth uh, plates in my heels were like hurting beyond heck and I uh, almost wanted to quit, um, and it would have been terrible. It just says a seventh grade or whatever to, to stop. But uh, luckily, my mom and my dad helped kind of push me through that. And my seventh grade championship is still the only championship I've ever won uh, in football. So I'm glad I didn't stop there. Um, but just realize that there's there's always something to learn. And uh, my parents kind of instilled in me this concept of delayed gratification. And it helped early on, and it helps me now. And when I wanted to either put something off or uh, go do something that looked like fun at the time when it was supposed to be work time, when I was supposed to uh, go out to the field and work with my coach or whatever it was, uh, whenever I didn't want to do that, they would always remind me that the work that I was putting in now was going to pay off in the future. And in high school, when... There was some event like on a Thursday night or or something or midweek whatever it was or in season, um, they said you can go to that now or you can put your work in now, uh, get your sleep, go to bed on time, get your work done, and then party on Friday night on the field. Like <laughs> that was that was how they relayed it to me, and it carried over to college too. I mean, the state there's always something to do other than the work you want to do, right? But if you Put your head down and you do it, no matter how much you don't want to do it. It'll it'll pay off in the end. All
2: right, good advice. Hey Jake, we got uh, your favorite player over here. Hold on, Christopher O'Dowd. All right, Jakey, uh, <laughs> you're in the hot
0: seat now. No, um, I uh, obviously it's great to have the Trojan support out here and have a great panel in front of you. Um, I'd love to know a little bit more about, you know, your
4: uh, trajectory here in the next six months with uh, Let's Engage and what you have going on with that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, again, I I said we had some shameless plugs earlier by these two up here, or really three, but um, it's just something that we've really wanted to, Daniel and I, my manager who's up here to begin with, um, wanted to just kind of reinvent the way you book speakers. Um, You know, if it's, some a big name or a small name or a mid-tier name, whatever the case is, is just having a straight avenue in which you can directly contact them and know that when you go to this site that we've uh, created, that you're you are contacting them, you're not creating contacting some third person that's going to rip you off down the road or whatever. And so, just a straight avenue and just digitize the process of being able to submit your request and uh, have the person, um, you know, be, I said that you want to book, be in contact with you and negotiate and whatever the other else you need to do to, in order to book that person. And so. We really created that, and along with that came the customizable experiences. Again, if you want to book anything more than a speech, or um, and then obviously we can do some cool things with their talent, like things like this tonight, where we can just set up events if we want to. You know, Barkley and I want to go do something at Orange Lutheran, and uh, you know, have kids throw water balloons at Barkley. Uh, we could do that, you know, and uh, sell <laughs> it through Engage. So, um,
3: I'm laughing. Yeah, I'm laughing.
4: But no, but that's, uh, you know, that's what we created. And so, again, we, we, you know Baxter's on there, Barkley and, and I'm on there. Um, and so it's just something, again, that uh, hopefully for people who enjoy our presence and, and want to have an easier way of contacting us and wanting us to come to events or whatever, it's, it's just an easy avenue for you to do that. And so uh, that's, that's something we've been working on for the last 12, 18 months. And that will, it's going well, so continue to do that.
2: All right, I think we have time. Awesome. we got time for one more question. Wendy's here.
5: Hi, guys. Nice to talk to you. Um, I have an affinity for punters. I have
1: from back in high school, and I just want to know more about our new punter. I've heard he's awesome. Well, he's he is awesome. He Don't is go awesome. into too many details huh? here. Yeah. Uh, so this process of recruiting him started a couple of years ago, and uh, Ben Griffith was the it's just one major area of our team that, that, that we're working on. And, uh, we kind of made the offer to him while we were in the hotel at the cotton bowl. Okay. And, uh, and I started watching him the year before he was the 16th pick. No, he was the 19th pick of the 2009 draft in the AFL. Um, so he's 28 years old. He's a freshman. And, uh, uh, and so, you know, how does he do that? Well, he, he didn't play professional football, you know, in our country, in our game, number one. And number two, part of the deal was you have to want to be a student. We aren't just going to get some free agent, okay? This is college football, not football college. And that's going to be important to us and to me forever. So so uh, he wants to be a teacher. Um, he already knows. He played, I think, uh, whatever that was, uh, uh you know, nine, ten seasons professionally. Um, the MCG where he played for the Richmond Tigers, you know, seats 120,000 people. His team won uh, the grand final, which is the equivalent of the Super Bowl here. He came here 6'7 half 224, and now he's 6'7 half 245. And uh, he pounds the ball into submission, okay? Uh, I said not. no details, Bags. No, that's details, Okay. <laughs> And uh, I'm going to tell you, he's a very skilled athlete, and he's a really incredible person. And, uh, you know, hopefully we don't use him. (laughs) (laughs) That's great.
0: All right. Brandon, can you bring me the bowl? I don't want to set off the speaker. All right, so we're going to give away things now. Um, so I'm just going to grab your name out of the bowl here. and No, let Jake. Yeah, Jake, you want to read him out? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah? All right. Okay. First one. Um, oh, no, we'll give away too... a hat and a polo here. 027393. <laughs> you have like 10 seconds. There you go. All right. <laughs> can you, Ryan, can you grab the stuff? Yeah, yeah. Oh it makes it close. All right, so just give each person, there should be five hats and five polos, so give each person a hat and a polo. Congrats. Congrats. Hat of there you go. There you go. That's Matthew your lucky
4: night. Just keep go- just keep. Here, Jake, you pick the next
1: one. Yeah, you All right. pick them out and I'll read them. A lot of Jeez, tickets in that. there. not that hard. <laughs> I've got like 10 in here. No, no, no. All right. 027356.
0: All right. You got another.
3: Yeah. There you go. All right. Free Travis Matthew gear. I wore this tonight. I didn't even realize.
4: You could uh, you wear it when uh, Matt, you can wear that when you take me golfing next time.
3: Uh-huh.
0: All right, uh, zero two seven three four three. Uh, somebody was really close over there. All right, somebody definitely has this ticket. Say it no, again. Say it l- again. Zero two seven three four three. Do you have two? Go, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Four, there you go. <laughs> Over here. This is our last one. Yeah. There's one more left in there, right? Uh, there's two. two. two of these. All right, two more. Three shirts. Oh, there's three shirts. Oh, good. They give us some extra stuff. All right. Zero, oh, actually, two, three more. Three, more. Three, three more. Okay, three more. Zero, two, seven, oh. three, seven, five. Oh Ryan, there you go. I did not. He was my roommate for four years. I didn't rig that. Insider trading. <laughs> uh, Insider trading. Yeah, uh, uh, <laughs> all, right. all right. You're, You're good. good. Zero, two, seven, three, eight, zero. Zero, oh, all right, another one. There we go. Yes. Yeah. Medium. Good,
4: medium. Last one. All
0: right, last one. Sorry? Gray or blue? Sure, af- after. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Last one. Easy, Dan. Here we go. Last one. <laughs> last, one. <laughs> last one. Zero, two, seven, three, six, five. Oh, no, it was not. It was not Wyatt. Was it actually you, Wyatt? Oh, it was Nick. I, 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 I'm not smart enough to rig this. All right. There we go, Nick. All right. So that's all we got. Uh, thank you so much for coming. Panelists will stick around for a little bit. Uh, thanks. Yeah, I already gave Jacob a stick. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Fight on. Fight on, Daniel.
1: Fight, fight on, on, buddy. Yeah, fight on. There go. Fight you graduated on. from SC, yeah, didn't true, you? True. Fight on. <laughs>